So you, I want you to think here's risk management or um, the fire department or the police department, the sheriff's department as a whole going, we're going to offer the station that loses the most weight, $20,000. And this is outside. It doesn't have to be spent on the station. This is for the individuals in the station. We're going to offer you $20,000 if you lose the most weight amongst all the stations. So at that point, you're going, if they're willing to just throw $20,000 to a bunch of guys to lose weight, this must be a problem. And that's where I started because like, so let's do something better than this. You know, I started talking to my buddy, Derek, and we're like, all right, let's get a program together. So when we get these guys coming in, we can train them, teach them, and then they'll hopefully carry that on later on down the road. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. My friends, Amy Radowski, Charlie Odie and I, we love the sport of CrossFit. We are 40 plus masters athletes who just love to watch the sport and want to let you know what's going on all the way from the open to the sanctionals to the CrossFit games. We also want to give you interviews with athletes, human interest stories, and things that will help you in your daily grind uh, as a CrossFit athlete. We also want to share our own struggles through our workouts, our nutrition plans, all the way to getting healthy and fit uh, for our family and friends. If you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and please consider giving us a five-star rating. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. This is episode 12. Uh, today, I have with me Charlie Odie. What's going on, man? What up? And Amy is going to be here for the interview we're doing in a little bit, but she is still jet-lagged from Rome, Italy trip, so we will get information on that next week. Mm-hmm. And so, how was your training week, man? Well, this week, uh, you know, with our 40-plus club not not going this week, it was I didn't get as much time in as I'd like to. However, I did do uh, every day of my GoWad fitness so we're still on track with that so we're still hoping to get above that 18 <laughs> percent. maybe into the 20s maybe into the 20s all right man well my tra- my training week um has gone really well um i hit a lot of wads this week i uh, came in today we're recording on sunday mm-hmm. um i don't even know what the date is anymore february 7th 6th 7th somewhere whatever somewhere we're there and so i uh, did 100 calories on the bike just to kind of flush out my legs um, because we were leg heavy this week, yeah. lots of squats, thrusters, wall balls, mm-hmm. um, feeling that a lot. But uh, the best thing for me is, and people who have been overweight before and are trying to lose weight, uh, I lost that top piece of the the stomach. Mm-hmm. So sitting is a lot easier now. Um, bending over is way easier now. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad thing about where I'm at now is I have those casts on my legs. So I, weighing myself means nothing. Right. Because I, I don't know what the cast weigh, so I have no idea if I'm losing weight or whatever. But I do feel way better. My clothes are fitting. I'm wearing clothes I couldn't wear a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, so everything's going great there. Um, my whoop is getting a workout now because mm-hmm. I'm actually getting some strain down. <laughs> um, had a great day yesterday. We had a big partner team wad. Uh, hit like 11, per, 11 on the strain. Okay. Uh, probably my highest yet and then the best part of my workouts from the week is my back injury that i had it was a bulging disc to the front of the spine so one of the moves that really affects it is front squatting mm-hmm. we did uh, a one and a quarter squat with a full squat on th- wednesday 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 and no that was friday 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 night hit that and uh hit 245 um mm-hmm. It was actually really easy, which was really cool. And I had no after effects from that. Um, so really happy with that. That's got to make you feel good. Real good. Um, so, yep, maybe it's all going to come together this year. Hey. Um, and then Charlie texted me the other day, said, hey, let's work for a competition. So we are actually going to team up and do a competition later this year. We have not 
pinpointed exactly which one we're going to sign up for. Uh, but we are training for that and I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. So that is our training week this week. And at this time, we're going to flip it over to our phone conversation uh, with Ron Ortiz, um, eight time CrossFit Games Masters athlete mm-hmm. and two time champion, four time podium finisher. Uh, dude is jacked. Uh, really check, tall. Check him out online. Um, six foot three and all muscle. All muscle. And so with that, we're going to flip it over to there. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Good morning. How are you guys? We are great. Uh, we are so glad that you could be on the phone call with us today. Uh, I know for the, our listeners that don't know, you are a two-time CrossFit Games Masters champion. Yep. A gold and medal winner. Fortunate, right? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's, it's, kinda, it's one of those things that's kind of surreal even when I think about it. I have, a, I have one picture in my phone of the 13 games when I won, and it's like one of those ones I go back to and you know, it just kind of kicks in every once in a while. It's like, oh, wow, I really did that. Yeah. And and you've been there seven times? Uh, actually, it was it was eight times. Last year would have been nine in a row, and I kind of missed out because of my finger. Ooh. So, What'd you do to yeah. your finger? About eh, lost it. Got chopped it off. And you're, I, uh, and you're meal prepping as we speak, so please, <laughs> yeah, please right. be careful. <laughs> <laughs> No, I did. I did the other one, uh, doing a snatch balance. I fell into the rig with the bar on top of my finger. Oh my gosh! And it smashed it between the uh, the J cup and the the rig. Ah, uh, so that, that yeah, sounds pretty, awful. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. It, it, it was bad. It was one of those ones where you go, oh my god! You know, I I honestly it didn't it didn't hurt right away. I did it, and I it was kind of a shock. I was like, oh. That's not supposed to look like that. <laughs> Ooh. So you, you, so you were there eight times. You've won it twice in, in 13 and 16. I uh, 13 and 16. Correct. And then, uh, so in 11, 11 was the first year I was there. Um, yeah, 2011 and I was third place then. And then I was third place in, I have you as 18 according to my research. Yeah. 18. There you go. Yep. Yeah, I can't remember all this stuff. <laughs> so four-time podium <laughs> winner. And then you've been a firefighter for 20-plus years? Yes. Yes. And um, that's, so, so that's, that's uh, I'll tell you, that was a dream ever since I was a kid is to, you know, to, to be a firefighter. And, again, it's one of those kind of surreal moments where the first time you see you're, you're sitting in the back of a truck and you're riding backwards, you're going, wow, I really did this. Here I am, you know, so – so that was your dream ever since you were a kid. Did, did yeah. you have an athletic background in high school? And I, So I did. I was really fortunate because um, so uh, my, my father was a, um, a teacher. He's basically a special arts teacher taught automotive, but he was also a, um, an athlete himself all through college, all through high school. And he really, it, it was one of those things growing up we had, every opportunity in the world to do whatever athletics we wanted to do because my dad was a track coach. He was a football coach. He was a cross country coach and all of these implements that they would get done with, you know, at the end, at the end of the time, the lifespan of these things, whether it be a shot put or a discus or a, you know, a, um, a mat for doing high jump or whatever, that stuff would get recycled to our house. So we literally at any one point in time, I think we had like, a high jump pit <laughs> javelins. I mean, we were like, little awesome. kids, like tossing javelins around the backyard. Um, so yeah, all the, so all, we the really, all the kids wanted to play in your backyard. Uh, oh yeah. We had, we had everything. It was, it was kind of comical because, and we would, we were just, you know, that's, I think a sad thing about what happens with kids nowadays is nobody, no, they're not allowed to do a lot of that parents get really scared about it and we i mean i think about we were throwing literally we were throwing javelins and discus around the backyard breaking stuff all the time so it's like but it was just one of those things it's like okay you know kids are gonna be kids so yeah we had we had a lot of fun growing up and because of that reason i think we all kind of like it pushed us into athletics because everybody in my family i mean and i'm talking every single one of us kids my oldest sister was a tennis player all the way through college 
Uh, my oldest brother was in football and then became a professional skier. He did that all the way up until his 30s. And then my brother Dennis was a gymnast. Uh, my brother Dick was a track athlete. And then I kind of went on that direction. I, I threw the javelin and discus in college. I have so. to say, so I'm a preschool teacher. That's my that's my main gig. And yeah. uh, I love, you know, I'm a big proponent of like children and playing and just oh, kids, yeah. kids being kids. And I just love to hear that, like just getting out and getting to experiment in the backyard. And oh, my gosh, we you know, it's it, but again, it's one of those things I was just talking about this the other day is that, you know, people are so afraid of their kids getting hurt nowadays. Yes. We had we had stuff on our playground when I was in elementary school that if you would have fallen off, you probably would have died. Right. It was like, you know, some of the towers that they had for like sliding down the things. It was like, they were like 15 feet high. Yeah. Like metal slides on top of black concrete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we, did we fall? Absolutely. Did we break stuff? Yeah, we broke stuff, but it was like, that's what it was. You just, you know, you, you, that's what happened. So you were careful and you tried not to do it again. So and- I, I think kids nowadays are, are kind of like, you know, the, the parents bring them up in, in almost like a, you know, eggshell. You got to be really careful. Don't do that. Don't do this. And I think it's huge for them to discover who they are as human beings. Absolutely. To, uh, and to yeah. be able to do some of their own risk assessment on their own. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's how you become smarter, right? That's right. So <laughs> I, have, I have to say from watching um, one of your uh, YouTube videos about how you uh, came into CrossFit it sort of reminded me of, of a way of my story, which was, you know, I was a parent, um, you know, came into just, you know, always focusing on the kids, putting myself to the side and then realizing one day, Oh shoot, (laughs) I don't feel good. (laughs) I don't want to be like this. And that's when I got into CrossFit and it sounds similar to, to your story. Oh yeah. So, so with, with, um, with us at the time, it's like, you know, we, we were concentrated so heavily on, um, we had a, a, a handicapped child that um, she took a lot of time and not, not, you don't think about it at the time. You're just doing what has to be done. And, you know, I'm working and working a second job and trying to take care of stuff so that we can maintain the house with her. And then we homeschooled our kids and did all that. And then one day it was just like, you know, the realization for me probably hit, I was like 42 and I was like, shit, I don't do something. You know, you start looking around some of the guys that you at work, I think is that that's really what it was. And, and I never felt great about not being in shape. And I think, I, I don't remember exactly when in my career it was, but I, I literally went to go get a bigger pant size. That's the thing that yeah. is like the, that's the epiphany moment for me. And I walked up to the guy and at the time, you know, we had like, it was almost like a counter for a store. And the guy's name was Wayne and Wayne was hilarious. You know, you'd walk up and he always had something to say. And I was like, Hey Wayne, I need to get some new pants. And he's like, all right. So I have you written down here for, you know, 32, 34. And I was like, I I think I better try the next size. And he was like, Oh, gain a little weight there. You know, they're always like some actual thing to say. And I was like, well, you know, just, and he goes, all right. He goes, well, you want me to put you down to 34, 36? I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Easy, buddy. And I, I went to, you know, the next size bigger. And I took him. And as I was walking away, I was just like that epiphany moment. I was like, I'm giving up. You put these pants on. You've now accepted what you've walked into. And now you, you're that. And I was like, I turned back around. I put them on the counter. I go, no, bro, I'm good. I, I, I'll wear the ones I got. And he looked at me like really confused, like, well, what the hell's your problem? <laughs> and the reality was, is like, I, I just can't give up. You know, I, all that thinking I was doing in my head and it's like, I can't do this. And I turned back around, gave him the pants back. And that's where I made a decision. Like, I got to char- start changing something. So I started going to a global gym and doing like trying to, I'd been watching CrossFit and that's the big joke. So I know Annie Sakamoto really well. We're like good buddies. And I used to creep on nasty girls so often. I'd be at the station and go, look at these girls. Oh, my gosh, this is awesome. And I started trying to do some of these workouts that I'd see online and CrossFit. And I was like, wow, I, I got to try and do that. Next thing you know, the guy, you know, the, head, the manager at the Globo Gym's like, well, you're putting footprints on my wall. You can't <laughs> kick up on the wall like that. Yeah. You can't hold the weight that long because other people need to use it. You can't do this. 
look at the wall ball marks on that wall outside. What are you doing? So I got to a point where I was like, I got to find a gym. And I ended up hooking up with a buddy of mine and he started doing some stuff out of his, out of his garage. And the first work that we ever did was 150 burpees per time. The most miserable workout I've ever done in my life. And to this day, that's like my goat. Yeah. Uh, My coach has me doing double, um, double press and has me doing box over burpees and, you know, bar, bar facing burpees, like almost every one of my, my workouts, because that's my goat. And I, I I work really hard to, to overcome that. Just as a bigger guy, it's not easy to get up and. (laughs) I I know all about the bigger guy syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like a struggle. You get down and you're going, Oh, this is so nice to lay here. (laughs) So, yeah. So, but, um, that was my first workout and that was like kind of the first experience I had with it was doing all that. So it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I knew I had to make a change. And again, it's like I had high blood pressure at the time. I was starting to gain weight. I wasn't big by any means, but I was starting to gain weight. I felt uncomfortable, high cholesterol. And it's like, I was like, man, I'm not going to last in this job. And that was, you know, seven, eight years into my job. And I was like, I got, I got to, I got to make changes. If I don't make changes, I'm going to end up being a statistic kind of thing. So a, a couple of years ago, I saw you on the Froning and Friends podcast yeah. and during that podcast you had talked about firemen health and fitness yeah oh yeah and, and that it's it's not what we think um as average citizens that it's that's in a good place has that yeah. changed at all in the last two years so they're really working hard to do that um you know i was just again i was just talking to my girlfriend yesterday and so our our insurance and it's so at different points and times in our department they've tried to instill things to give incentive to the firefighter to get in shape. And, and, and we're fortunate because we're like fire and police together. And being the fact that we're such a large entity, because of the health aspect of what we do and trying to be in shape as civil servants, whether being police or fire, if you're not in shape, you're, you're basically your workman's comp expenses become very high. I'm sure for the for the county because you're looking at 12, maybe 2000 employees. Oh, wow. So if you have healthier employees, you probably have a little less workman's comp or, you know, or um, risk management time thing. And well, a good buddy of mine, he got hired as a like fitness instructor for the department. I got to know him really well. And, you know, we had actually, we uh, actually had a few like inter- interactions at, at health. He would have these health meetings and stuff like that for the department. And he'd come in and talk to us and he'd be talking to us about good fats, bad fats, but it was all your typical, you, you know, your very typical uh, food pyramid. And I'm like, that's not the good food pyramid. And so we'd go back and forth and the guys would all be, Oh boy, here comes Ortiz. You know, you know what I was like, and I would just tell him, I was like, you can't, you can't put everybody into a box. Well, from these discussions we would have during these things, we became really good friends. So he'll call me now and he bounces stuff off me and he's helped us get great equipment at the fire department. So some of the things that they did at one point, they had a contest for this whole station. So I want you to think here's risk management or um, the fire department or the police department, the sheriff's department as a whole going, we're going to offer the station that loses the most weight $20,000. And this is outside. It doesn't have to be spent on the station. This is for the individuals in the station. We're going to offer you $20,000 if you lose the most weight amongst all the stations. So at that point, you're going, if they're willing to just throw $20,000 to a bunch of guys to lose weight, this must be a problem. And that's where I started because like, so let's do something better than this. You know, I started talking to my buddy, Derek, and we're like, all right, let's get a program together. So when we get these guys coming in, we can train them, teach them, and then they'll hopefully carry that on later on down the road. So I started helping like train these guys probably the first three years I was there. I helped any new recruit classes we had coming in. I was helping with the physical fitness portion of it. 
And the cool thing was we were able to also, we'd have the instructors go, hey, listen, you know, we're having problems with this guy. And they're like, that guy's really, he's slacking off. He doesn't do well. He quits really easily during these workouts. And they'd be like, all right, we're going to keep our eye on him. Sad to say, but you, there's a lot to be said for the way people approach their, their being able to push through, you know, a little bit of discomfort in what they're going to do in real life. Yeah, and I, I, we, yeah, I, I'm sure you, you all have seen that. I mean, I've seen that just in general. And so we were able to kind of whittle through a few of these recruits having, having them come through. And sure enough, I mean, we end up finding bad things later on down the road. They got into somewhere else and had problems or whatever it is. So, so that's kind of where I started with the whole thing and it's progressed. So what's happened is like over the years, they've done different things. Now our insurance, what they do is they have, you hooked up to your Apple watch and your Apple watch has a program on it through Aetna and Aetna then says, okay, well, if you burn, um, seven, seven to 800 calories a day, we're going to credit you towards a new Apple watch, or we'll give you, um, they give you like gift certificates to like Amazon and all these different, you know, these different things through Apple. And so they're trying to motivate guys to do it where it hits most of us the hardest, which is in our pocket, right? So it sounds like they so, are implementing some plans to at least improve where you were a couple years ago. They're trying to, they really are trying to. So as a whole, I think it's, it's, I think it's getting better because there's constantly guys. And I, I, that's the thing I'm kind of blessed with. These guys will like kind of shuffle through our station or if I go to an outstation and I'm there, they're always really interested. Hey, what can I do? What can I do? And I mean, have a couple of chiefs that I've gone to the station. They're like, Hey, you know, what do you think of this equipment? What do you think of this? And then you go back and there's a piece of equipment there. So it's kind of a neat thing that, that they're willing to do that, but there's still a big disparity as far as like, I mean, I think we would take, you'd take as a whole, you'd measure up and go, okay, how many fit guys do we have? How many guys that are, you know, not super fit or not even borderline fit, but not couch potatoes or I get right in that range. And then you go, how many guys do we have that are unfit? And then you have how many guys that are obese? And you'd be really surprised at the numbers weighing over towards the unfit obese side. That's, that's one of the things that's always surprised me. So, um, we have our local fire department visit us at the school every year. And I always ask two questions when they're there. And my first question is always, you know, tell me about your workout routine. One, because Mm -hmm. I'm probably being a little cheeky because I'm into CrossFit. And uh, the other is I want to know, like, if you are going to be able to save me, I want to know how fit are you? What are your requirements? And they, they're really not that many. No, that's, it's, it's really sad. So along with that, I'm going to real quick interrupt you to the fact that there's nothing required after hiring. Right. And there's departments that have tried to implement that. And I'll just give you one in general. There's a large department here in the County that I live in, which is Palm beach County. And they, for a while, were like, okay, we got to get our guys in good shape. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a physical agility test, and they have to meet these standards for the physical agility every year. And they even prepped them. It's like, hey, guys, listen, we're going to start doing this agility test. And everybody's it's, – it's basically the basis for what you do as a firefighter, and everybody's got to pass it within this – you know, they gave a score or whatever time it was, and they had remediation for the guys that didn't. Well, what ended up happening, so many of these guys now were going out on the remediation, not allowed to go back to work till they met those standards. Overtime was through the roof, uh, and they had to go, whoa, you know, all the administration's like, time out. This yeah. is not working. We have to stop this. This isn't going to work. So that that's that speaks volumes. So there's an issue, you know? Yeah. Are there the guys that are in great shape? Yeah. Are there the guys in pretty good shape? Yeah. Are there guys that even in the shape they're in, they're better than the guys that are on the other end of the scale that aren't? Yes. But for the most part, no, like you couldn't, you couldn't take a whole department and go, how many, what's the percentage of guys that would pass this simple test, which is the test, let's say the test to get hired. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of sad. What's sad is that we're lowering the bar so that they can meet it. You know, which is kind of yep. contradictory to like what we live as CrossFit athletes. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Um, and a real world example is we actually interviewed Saxon Pancheck uh, on episode six of this podcast. 
And he tells the story when him and his brother fell over the cliff that the firemen could not get down the cliff to get them, that his family members had to take the equipment from the firemen to go get him and get him up the cliff. Yeah. And and that's not what we want from our fire department. No, no, no. So, so, you know, there, again, there's story after story of, of, um, of that kind of stuff. And, and, and I think that the thing that saddens me the most, so when I was injured last year, this is a good example. I actually, so we had just got done doing our, and we're very fortunate because as a bigger department, because we're combined with the police and fire end of it, we're able to get a grant from the government for our physicals. And we have a company come in, comes in that does a complete like head toe physical that, you know, um, where they literally, they do, um, they scan you with, um, they, they check your, you know, basically your, your blood vessels and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's amazing. And there's a very short, very small physical portion of it that is literally like max push-ups in a certain amount of time, max sit-ups in a certain amount of time, stretching. They have that stretch meter where you stretch out and try and touch, stretch you know, and reach. Uh, or sit and reach. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yep. And then they have you do a, um, a wall sit for a certain amount of time. And then they have you do, it's like basic. I'm talking like elementary school kids are doing the same thing to see where their physical fitness is. And they're doing that with us. And then the only aspect of it that probably is a little more difficult for some of the guys is they do a VO2 and the VO2 they're doing is a very elementary, like rudimentary, very simple. It's like they have the electrodes hooked through your chest. And what they're really doing is checking to see if you start throwing weird rhythms in your heart when you get to a point where you're under duress. So they had a group of guys that refused to do that last portion of the test. And one of the things with the grant is there had to be 100% compliance. Everybody had to do it. And these guys held out and started trying to throw union bylaw. You can't do that because you're going to use it for this information and people are going to know and this, that, and the other. It's like, are you kidding me? You're willing to, to ruin this opportunity for everybody in the whole department because of you're not wanting to do sit-ups, push-ups, and walk on the – most of those guys probably had to walk – would be walking on the treadmill so their heart rate came up. Yeah. And they held out so long so i came in in november last year's when i hurt my thumb and i was like all right so i'm gonna not i'm sorry not this last year it would be the year after year before that so i came in and i was like geez you know not that i'm above it but i don't want to sit and answer phones all day long at headquarters i'd rather you know do this and i kind of explained i was like i'd like to go to each one of the stations they have great equipment i got crossover symmetry bands i got all kinds of really great equipment for the this the department can I go out and teach these guys how to use this stuff? Cause I've been to stations and they'll have like one band hanging up, hanging up by the rig and they're doing, you know, rotator cuff exercises. I'm like, eh, it's not really what it's for, but it'll work for that. But he was like, we'll draw something up. So I drew up this whole idea of what I wanted to do. And I send it to him and he looks it over and he goes, mm, we're going to have to have the union approval on this. I was like, all right, no problem. So buddy of mine at the union, I called him up and he goes, hmm, interesting, Ron, it looks really good. Let me run it past everybody. So he runs it past. He goes, hey, I th- we think it's a great idea. I would take it back to the chief. And at that point, he was getting frustrated because these guys were not complying with the basic physical aspects of this, um, of our physical that we were getting done. And he goes, no, we're not going to do it. You'll be stuck here at headquarters. And I was like, I was kind of confused. I was like, chief, I'm not trying to be, you know, disrespectful, but why? What's the problem? He goes, Ron. I can't even get these guys to do the basic thing. How are they going to, you're going to walk in and they're not going to listen to you. And I was kind of bummed out. And but yeah. the reality is he was right, you know? Yeah. And it, what's, what really sucks is the opportunity is there. There's so many guys like myself that I'm sure would like to make things better in so many d- different departments. And you go out with a fire and you're like, I want to do this. And I want to do this. And I want to do this. And it kind of falls on deaf ears because Again, so I go out to certain certain um, stations, and there's guys. We have a couple guys that are just they have, they literally have special chairs for them to sit in because they're so big they'll break a, a regular chair. 
Wow. These, these guys will bait, break the trucks, pulling themselves up with the steering wheel. Like one of the guys broke the steering knuckle on the truck. That's crazy. Another guy just stepping off the rig broke his ankle and he was out for like months. And how are they going to pull us out of a building? Exactly. I mean, but, I, and I hope you know that, you know, I'm not trying to put down the profession no, at all. I have great respect. No, no absolutely. No, I, I listen, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's a, it's a, one of those things that we constantly will say things, but it's the hard thing is. And then for me too, and I, I've, I, again, I, I find myself having this conversation a lot. The sad thing is, is that, so how do you get these guys to like even adopt something a little bit different? How do you get them to, um, to change one thing to be able to make a difference? Cause sometimes that's all it is. It's a very simple thing. I, I just was, again, I was out to dinner last night with, uh, with my girlfriend and her parents and we were talking about, there's a, a guy at my station that I tried to help out. And my thing, I was with the meal company. I was like, yeah, we'll get the meal company to do it. It'd be a, a really good, feel good thing for the meal company. And he's a pretty big guy. So he's going to lose weight really fast and it'll be encouraging for him. And we, we were all kind of hyped up and excited to go. And I presented to them and they called me back at one point and they go, you know, Ron, we've been kind of looking this over and we're excited. We'd love to be able to help. He goes, but I need to ask you two questions. I was like, yeah, shoot. What, what is it? And he goes, has he ever tried to lose weight before? I said, yeah. And he goes, and does he have kids? And I said, yeah. And he goes, we're out. And I was like, what? How can those two questions like dictate what you're going to do? And he goes, number one, if he's tried to do it before and not, it's habitual. There's something he's doing that's not, not going to, you know, not going to fix it by giving him food. And number two, if he's not willing to do it for a ki- for his kids, he's not willing to do it. You, we can we can spend ten thousand dollars a month feeding him correctly and because he's his choices are incorrect he's not going to make the right decisions and he said we can't help but the reality yeah, I, is as someone who, right. as someone who's lived that life it, it has to be that person's decision giving them yeah. tools without them making the commitment or the decision to do it um mm-hmm. you know it it has to be on them yeah uh but yeah. And it, I, I really do. This is the thing. I, I want you to realize that. So the bit, the really, really big guy that, that I was speaking to you about um, that has broken the truck and stuff like that, he came into the station one time and he literally was limited to sitting in an open chair, like a, a chair at the table. So he literally sat there most of the day. And, you know, I tried talking to him a little bit just about, hey, you know, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And, and he's very withdrawn. And you know that he doesn't feel great about himself, number one. And he's probably very self-conscious. And, you know, I, I kind of joke around with guys that I know that are fairly fit and it's not great, but I'm like, you can't wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and when you're like that and go, I, I, I feel really good about myself. So they're carrying on and it becomes, I think, a vicious cycle for them. You know, it does. It becomes something that's, that's so hard now and it becomes almost like, I, I give up, I can't do this. So, so, yeah, so I, I used to weigh over 500 pounds and yeah. the problem is when you're there, you don't know what good is anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you can look yeah. in the mirror and you know, you don't like what it is, but you don't know, you don't know what How good is. It. Right. Right. Um, yeah. and that's, that's really hard. Yeah. Which that that's it- what I liked. The thing that you said in one of your, um, videos was just change one thing a month. Mm-hmm. That's it. So we, we tried that with my, my buddy, Jim and, and, and I, I approached him. I was like, Jim, let's do this. I go, I want you forget about everything else. I don't want you to forget about diets. I want you to forget about everything else. This is after the other thing fell through. I said, we're going to do this. You and me. I said, all I want you to do is think about giving me one thing a month. I don't care what it is. You tell me, I'm not going to tell you, I need you to give up this. I need to get that. I said, you know, you better than I do. So. I said, next shift, I come in because I come in and I actually relieve him. And I said, you're going to have that one thing in your mind. You're going to tell me what it is. And I said, all right. So he comes, I come in the next shift. I'm like, hey, so what's your thought? He goes, I'm going to, I'm going to stop having donuts. I was like, perfect. That's, that's a great thing. And he goes, every morning I go to Dunkin' Donuts and he goes, I end up getting like two donuts with my coffee. I go, Jimmy, that's a start. That's what we want. 
So we did that and we did it for a few months and he was like, you know, it's ironically just that simple thing like that. I've had another buddy of mine that I did that with and he gave up soda and him giving up soda. He lost, I can't even tell you how much weight he lost in like two weeks. And he was a bigger guy, but the amount of soda he was drinking, the amount of sugar he was consuming made such a big difference. So yeah, sometimes it is just that simple start and then it's like can kickstart. Oh man, this, this is really working. And with my buddy, it did. He kind of fell back into it again, and we we would do it, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I kind of struggle." Because I would come in and I would talk to the guys at the station. I'd be like, "Hey, how's Jimmy doing?" Oh man, he doesn't do that good. And then, just again, this is how we can eat our young as firefighters. These guys, you know, they'll on the fire field, they would save, you know, save you in a second. But when it comes to like real life stuff, they'll eat you. You know, they eat your young. And one of the guys, one day I walked in and they had a half of a piece of like um, key lime pie and a quarter of a piece of pumpkin pie. And it's sitting in a tray. I was like, oh, what is this? And he goes, oh, that's, that's my ballyhoo. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, so ballyhoo is basically what they catch fish with here in Florida, right? It's like a, a bait fish. I'm like, what do you mean ballyhoo? And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, that's for Jimmy. He's my buddy. He goes, we put that out there. He said, by the end of the shift, it'll be gone. Mm. And I'm like, I got so mad. I was like, yeah. are you friggin' kidding me, bro? Why would you do that? And they're laughing. They're carrying on. It's like, that is, you realize he struggles. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but he does it regardless. He goes, he'll bring stuff in or somebody will bring, we have people bless their heart. They bring stuff in for us all the time. But it's something that they do because they think, oh, I'm going to I'm going to reward these guys for doing what they did. But they, they make the worst decision. <laughs> you know, they could bring us a, a vegetable tray and they bring us in a, a box of donuts or something like that. So, yeah, so it's it's sad. And, and it's so there, sometimes we can't, we don't encourage each other the way we should in the fire department, too. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. I don't know a good way to transition out of this talk. I think what you've given us yeah. is really good insight. Um, but we have a couple more questions in, in another avenue. And sure. um, so the three of us are all master's level athletes. Uh, Charlie and Amy call it the 40 plus club. I just hit yep. 50 in January. So I'm, I'm in a new, new um, segment. Um, but yep. you're a master's athlete. Yes. What, what changed for you when, when you got older uh, with your workouts and your training regimen? Um, how did you have to to figure that out at at an older age? Yeah, so yeah, that's interesting to say that because I just had a talk. There was a young lady that works out at my gym, and uh, uh, she's coached by a, a friend of mine. He's kind of an aggressive coach, and I've been under I've been really fortunate to have some incredible coaches along the way. And and one of the coaches I had used a very Bulgarian style method where they would just you know beat you beat you into the dirt for like you know six months and then come up to the to the games he's like all right so now we're going to ease up and you're going to be ready for the games nothing they throw at you and by then you either have injuries or you have things that you're struggling with and it's just like you know by the time you get there you're like oh my god my body is just beat up i, I don't know if i can perform what i found and i've been very fortunate recently to be with a coach jason Layden. And Jay is very good because what he does is he's always, I mean, I get constant texts. He's like, how you feeling? Ron, how you feeling? Bro, what's going on? How are you feeling? And his whole thing with his athletes that he has in his gym, he said he used to use a grip test. So he'd have them come in. He said if he saw them looking like a little bit like, you know, dragging, he would actually have them do this grip test and they could tell because he'd have written out what their grip was at certain days, maybe days they're feeling better or worse. And if their grip was bad, he'd be like, all right, uh, today we're going to take it easy. Or if it's bad, bad, he'd be like, I want you to just go home, relax. And by doing that, now you're listening to more of what your body does or needs. And I think that's really important for masters athletes because what happens is we don't recover the same way. And you've all, probably discovered that i mean yes i watch yeah i watch like younger guys that i've been very fortunate in being able to go up you know and hang out with rich and those guys and those like even Haley. we were just commenting the other day it's like 
I was up there and I'm watching her work out and she's doing all this stuff and she can beat herself to death. And I wake up in the morning. I had just done a workout, probably you know, a third of what she did. And I'm like, so sore. I can barely move. And she's like, you know, Oh yeah, no, I feel pretty good. And she'll yeah. go out and do like another six hour session with Rich and Tasia and those guys. I'm like, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. You know? And here I'm like, you know, licking your wounds and you're, you're taking like, you know, <laughs> Epsom salt baths and rubbing salve on yourself to try and recover. So it's like, it's kind of funny that we do need more time to recover. That's, so to have somebody that understands that is huge. Yeah. So. That's why Charlie and I, in our 40 plus club, we work out Tuesdays and Thursdays together. Cause I coach, um, on the morning before that. And so he comes in to work out. So I have someone to work out with. And yep. because we're that 40 plus club, we've labeled it as technique Tuesday and four quality Thursday. <laughs> That's, <awesome. laughs> That's just a little bit for our bodies to recover a little bit with that. That's awesome. That uh, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. So, and you know, this is the other thing. So if you approach that, like, um, that crazy style of working out at certain point, your body does it just towards the end of the week, you're beat up. And you see that even with younger athletes towards the end of the week, they're tired. And that's where they'll usually have like different stuff on Friday, Saturdays, like with my schedule, usually Friday and Saturday, Saturday, just a set with like, um, no aerobic capacity stuff before it. And every other day of the week is like, I have some kind of aerobic capacity in the morning AM session. And then I have a PM session that has everything else kind of the mixed modal and weightlifting and stuff in between. But towards the end of the week, it always tapers down because your body's beat up and it's going to be a natural process process for that to happen. Um, so yeah, it's really important. I mean, especially for us as masters, athletes, if you don't have a coach that understands that you're probably going to end up walking around super, super sore or hurt. And that's, that's it for us to recovering is like, it takes quite a bit longer to recover. So Ron, you're a pretty tall athlete. Yes. So how tall are you exactly? Six, three, six, three. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what, um, what are some of your least, um, and most favorite exercises being, uh, that of a taller athlete? Mm. So I, I, again, so I've been really fortunate. I told you this. I, I mean, I have incredible coaches. I've had some amazing coaches and all of them along the way, have been able to help me with those those goats so burpees by far we talked about that yeah. earlier burpees are definitely one of those exercises that just i mean i've i've had them come up in like in 2016 that we had we had a run it was a 600 meter run with 12, 20 or 30 burpee box over burpees and then a 600 meter run it was three rounds or four rounds of that and it crushed my soul it was like, I'm telling you, I was the last one and I didn't even finish the workout. It was like literally a last place finish on that. I, I thought at that point, I was like, all right, uh, I think I might be done. <laughs> but those things, like I said, the coaches that know me, they're like, oh, we need to work on these. So gymnastics for a taller guy is not, it's usually not your, going to be your, your specialty, right? So I have a really good gymnastics coach and what he'll do is he'll have me, if I'm doing exercises, he'll be like, I want you to work on a low bar. Or I want you to work on low rings because you never know at the games when these things are going to come up. Now, rings doing muscle ups isn't terrible for me, but if it's on a low set of rings, it can be pretty miserable. Yeah. If you're on a low bar and I'm having to do toes to bar or I'm having to do chest to bar pull up where you're really needing a good kip and you don't have that availability, he's like, all right, we got to figure this out. So they'll allow me to do stuff. And then I'll have, I have rings with long straps and I have rings with short straps and you just continue to work. It's like that whole Michael Phelps thought, you know, thought process of him, his coach making him swim with his goggles on across his mouth because they come off when you dive in or across with, with maybe one of them on and water in it. So you try to like adapt to those things. Even if they're your bad movement, you try to make them so that they're not as bad. So, and so yeah, you, those... you have the, the qualifier next month, correct? Yes. Yes. And the rules now are that they take the top 10. Correct. Um, and you finished the open in 15th. Yes. Do they carry that over still, or is that just no. wiped clean, wiped clean? Mm -mm. No, it's wiped clean. And so that was, that was kind of the, you know, uh, again, as, as athletes, I, I, I promise you, if you interview any one of those other guys that is in that, that realm, 
as athletes, that was always the thing is that you needed to place in the top 10. And that was my goal always. I need to be in the top 10. If you're outside the top 10, your, your chances just diminish. And now they've done this. So it was like, it was a constant discussion, not only with my girlfriend, but my coach is like, it doesn't matter where you finish. You finish in the top 200, we start over and then you go back into it. But as an athlete, that's really hard to go, oh yeah, uh, I'm like, you know, 62nd because it's like that, it's like, okay, did I try hard enough? Could I have tried harder? I should be in the top 10. So you have that like devil on your shoulder constantly poking at your brain going, okay. And I think just, again, as we are as CrossFit athletes, nobody wants to end up in the bottom. I don't care if you're in a class workout or if you're in whatever, nobody wants to be there. So it, it's kind of like one of those things, our motivation as athletes is always going to be to do your best, but then how far do you carry it when you don't have to? And I've, I've had to approach that in even in like a couple workouts at the games where it's like, bro, you already lifted more than anybody else. You don't need to lift more weight. Why are you doing this? Where yeah. my coaches are standing in the, in the, you know, in the stands going, that's it. You're done. Done. That's it. You don't need to go heavier or you've done it or whatever it is. And it's, it just doesn't sometimes doesn't click. I so, wish I had more of a Matt Frazier brain or a Rich Froning brain where I could shut off and go, okay, I'm good. I don't have to do that. <laughs> well, I just, I just kind of want to wrap up the interview with, with one last question. And uh, I, I actually got to meet you at the Mayhem Classic. We actually were posted about the same position uh, throughout yeah. the weekend. And yeah. so because you're an EMT as well as a firefighter, correct? Yes. Yes, I'm a paramedic. Yeah. You, um, you are able to work a medical team at all the different events. So yeah. with the masters kind of being in their own little qualifier and, and most of it being online until you get to the games, is that your way to stay in touch with, with the CrossFit community by volunteering your time on the medical team? You know, so, somewhat. Um, so I've been fortunate. My buddy Cam, uh, he, he introduced me to it this year. And like I said, I was out because of an injury and I, you know, he kind of go, Hey, do you want to do the medical team? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'd really like to. And is this as I'll in Freddie? You, uh, Freddie and, and Cameron. As oh, well. oh yeah. and Cameron. So, okay. so Cam, Cam's the other, the other, the other bald guy that, that is usually hanging around the, the medical stuff. <laughs> got it. Got it. And, uh, so, you know, I, I was really fortunate and he asked me if I wanted to do it and I was like, yeah, you know, I really do because number one, I really want to be at the games because it's, it's awesome to be there. Probably one of the most, diff most difficult things I've ever done is be there and not be able to participate. And, but one of the things that I'm going to kind of throw a really big uh, bone out at those guys, because let me tell you, I went into the medical staff thinking, oh, okay, you know, it was going to be a bunch of firefighters or a bunch of EMTs or maybe people that are just volunteering. And I walk in there and they do a big introduction and you're talking, I would say no less than 115 people. And they start and we're listed as the last people to introduce ourselves. And as they start, it's like, I'm talking about orthopedic surgeons, cardiac surgeons, trauma surgeons, trauma nurses. And these people for years have done this. Probably no less than 15, 10, 15 years, most of these people have experience. These are the people that are working on us at the games when we get injured. And it's not just like a bunch of flunky. These are people that, I mean, I, and again, just the way my brain works, I was sitting in there going, holy crap. So they came to me and I was like, I have to say, this is friggin' unbelievable because for all these years I've been going, you don't realize who are, and they're donating their time. This is, they're giving their time and their time is valuable. I mean, any one of these guys work on working on you, you're paying thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to have these people work on you. So I was like humbled. I was like, wow, That's awesome. this is incredible that you guys are here doing this. And then I'm like, and I'm a 21 year firefighter paramedic, <laughs> you know, it's like, you feel like this big, it's like, holy crap. But it was, it was humbling to be there. It was awesome to see it. I loved, I loved, and I told him at the end, cause we had a, you know, kind of an exit thing. I go, I love being here, but I don't ever want to be here again. I want to be here out there. And if I need help, I know I'm getting good care. So yeah, it was, it was awesome to do. I loved helping. I don't want to do that. I want to be out in the field doing what I enjoy doing the most. So, 
Well, awesome. And thanks for giving them kudos. You know, I volunteered a a bunch of times at different events and uh, uh, I love that little crew that we have, but yeah, I want to thank you very much for your time. Um, Let you get back to your food prep. Yeah. It was great talking with you, Ron. Thank you so much, guys. I hope I was able to answer everything. If you guys want to do it again, just give me a ring. All right, cool. And uh, good luck at the online qualifier and we'll hope, hope to see you at the games. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Have a good day. You too. uh, Have a great great weekend Thanks. all right talk to you later bye. bye wow uh that was a good conversation with ron um he has a lot of experience in the firefighting industry mm-hmm. um gave us a lot of insight in what's going on there and some of the some of the hurdles that they're facing yeah um and again we wish him nothing but the best of luck um during the, the qualifier mm-hmm. next month and hopefully he'll be at the games this this august so good luck to you ron we'll yeah. talk to you soon and we're going to talk about some news that's going on. And the big news of the week is someone's having a baby. One of the queens, I would say, of CrossFit. Yeah, if not the. If not the queen of CrossFit. Right. So um, Annie Thorstadter and Frederick Agidius mm-hmm. um, are having a baby. They posted on Instagram a little picture of their baby shoe in between their holding hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make that announcement. And that, that holds a special place in my heart. Cause when I started CrossFit, uh, people gave me the nickname Thor mm-hmm. and Annie was on top of the CrossFit world when I started. And so she was Thor's daughter. Yep. And, uh, so I just had an affinity for her. I wanted her to do well. Um, and so I have been a big fan of Annie's since day one and I am nothing but happy for her and Frederick and, that they get to move into this phase of their mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. And I understand that she's due during the games this year. So. Uh, I think it's August 5th is the due date. So we'll see if she competes or not. Yeah. <laughs> I did see a meme where they said, this is uh, the ultrasound of Annie and Frederick's baby. And it had nothing but abs. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, th- that's some pretty good DNA going into that, yeah. that kid. And probably the 2035 CrossFit games mm-hmm. champion. Probably. So we're very happy for them, and that's great news. Um, One other bit of information from the week is the Rogue Online Qualifier announced their winners. Um, And that came with a little bit of controversy. Um, If you remember back on Episode 9, Christy O'Connell, we saw the leaderboard the next day. She was the winner, and that was announced that she was the winner. So our hometown girl is going to the Rogue Invitational. We'll get to root on her for her there. but what happened was the night before the the leaderboard looked one way the next day when they announced who the winners were the leaderboard changed and so overnight they applied all penalties that they found from uh the video submissions and with that uh penalized them all and then changed the leaderboard and just put it out and the emails had not reached the athletes yet. Mm. So those that got penalized didn't know they were penalized when the leaderboard finalized. Hmm. That's a good way to find out that you uh, <laughs> got a penalty. Yeah. And if you want to know more about this, Armin Hammer goes into a lot of in-depth. He tried to get Rogue's uh, comments to that. Um, but two people that were affected on the men's side were Street Horner mm, and boy. Tim Paulson, oh. two games athletes that were in the qualifying positions yeah. and removed from that for some oh. penalty. That's my boy Street. Yeah. So uh, that didn't go over very well. Yeah. Um, I'm taking it. And, you know, Rogue is, they're still, you know, even though Rogue's been around as a company forever, the fact that they are doing an, an invitational or a sanctional, they're fairly new to that. Right. You know, and so they're, they're hitting some learning bumps mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, they said that emails were all going out to the athletes affected. And so they're, they are getting an email explaining what happened. It's just going to come after the fact, after the fact that they're not in. So that's pretty much the news for the week. Um, all we got now is what was the best thing we saw on the internet this week. And so Charlie, I'm going to turn it over to you. So there is a, a video that they, um, 
an Olympic snatch champion. Um, he was actually disqualified, but that's neither here nor there. But you put a video out in your proper snatch position, and I thought that was a good um, – it was an interesting to see. Um, his name is – see, I'm going to come on your lane and try yep. to figure out these names. Olenski Thorkidish. Thorkida. Nice. Um, but the proper snatch position, which, you know, he talks about how it's going to be uncomfortable if you haven't done it correctly the entire time. But uh, once you get comfortable, it's more stable and you can put more power through it. So uh, it was interesting. So I'll try it out this couple weeks when we start snatching and see how it, see how it feels. Yeah, you'll probably do, what, 200 kilos by then? At least. Yeah, I have cool. to do it in kilos now because he's <laughs> a foreign. <laughs> Uh, so my favorite thing on the internet this week is I'm going to preface it a little bit. Um, um, for those who don't know, I am a, a man of faith. Um, and I believe that God is putting some things in my path, uh, since the first of the year to, um, guide me on a journey. I don't know what that journey is. Um, things are happening for me in ways that I could have never imagined. Um, and people have been put into my life to support that. Um, you know, I, my family has always supported me. My gym family has always supported me. My two co-hosts on this podcast have always supported me. Uh, but other people have been thrown into my path to support me. And it seems like every podcast I watch or listen to, um, speaks to me in some kind of way. And so what I'm going to talk about is the buttery bros were on loud and lives podcast. Mm-hmm. And they talked about getting fired from CrossFit and what that did to them mentally. Um, and what's weird is like um, Mars went through a different thing than, than uh, Heber. Mm-hmm. Heber was kind of tired of doing the same old, same old thing every year that CrossFit wanted to do and putting in 14 hours a day and all being for some other entity. Mars you know, he was going through a lot at that time, as we've talked about on, on other podcasts, you know, his relationship wasn't going well at the moment. He lost his job. He was looking for himself. Mm-hmm. And they tell the story of when CrossFit was going to do the first open announcement in England at the local docks. Is that what it's called? Something docks. We'll go with that. Yeah. Um, and so they looked Mars looked at Heber and said, hey, we got to go to England because those people aren't going to have the bandwidth. Their announcement's not going to be good. And we need to go film it and get it out within 12 hours and be the best thing that came out from that open announcement. Mm -hmm. And Heber goes, how are we going to pay for it? And Mars goes, let's put it on a credit card and go. And with the realization was that that is what started the momentum of the Buttery Bros and got them to where they are today. Mm Mm-hmm. And Heber said, I wanted to start putting the 14 hour days to myself mm-hmm. and my company and my vision and my thing. And that's kind of, and it was very inspiring. And there's some other good content in that podcast. So it's not just for that piece of it. Right. The Ricky Garrard talk is hilarious. <laughs> uh, Matt Frazier is an amazing guest host. Yeah. He is shows that he is extremely intelligent yeah. and asks really good questions. But that inspirational part for me in doing this podcast and me putting in the work to make this podcast grow, that's what I'm here for. That That's part of whatever this journey is that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm working for. And so it inspired me. I hope it inspires you. Um, so please go check that out. So with that, we'll wrap it up. I want to tell you guys we have an exciting couple weeks coming up. We have lined up. Um, what is it? Seven more interviews over the next couple weeks um, to get recorded and ready for the podcast. Uh, it's exciting. Um, there are names in there. I don't want to announce who they are in case anything falls through, mm-hmm. uh, but there's some pretty good names in there. There's some pretty good timing on who we got and when we got them. And I can't wait to share that information with you all. Mm-hmm. So Stay tuned because it's just getting started here and we're going to, we're ready to take on the world. That's right. And so we'll talk to you next week on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and friends. See you.
Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. We are available on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please, if you liked what you just heard, hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends.